0: Thank you for listening to the Calvary Church Podcast. If this ministry has been a blessing to you, would you let us know? Send an email to mystory at toledocalvary.org. We would love to hear what God is doing in your life today. Well, last night I was um, driving home and it was dark, and I'm pulling into my neighborhood. I don't know. I I mean, it's not the first time I've come home in the dark in the last few weeks, and it's not the first time that this has happened. But I looked, and for whatever reason, the lights on my neighbor's houses just just caught my attention. Like, we've got some folks in our neighborhood who just went all out this year, you know, and they've got their Christmas lights up, and it's fun. Like, we used to, when our kids were little, we used to, like, drive through random neighborhoods just looking at lights. Anybody else? Now I just drive through my neighborhood and feel intimidated, because my house does not my house does not look like that at all. And it's a part of Christmas though. Like it's, it's super cool the way that we celebrate. And part of what we celebrate is just very visually we celebrate at Christmas time. And it's a cool part of that. I'm sure somewhere probably in your house or somewhere you've put up on your tree, on your mantle, somewhere you've got some lights that are up. Anybody ever been frustrated trying to use last year's lights? You know what I mean? You pull them out and I've gotten to the point where I don't, I don't even try to fix them anymore. It used to do like you change out bulbs or you change out fuses or you do something like that. Now I just throw them away. Anybody else? Because I figured the new string of lights is less expensive than losing my salvation. And so I just, <laughs> I throw them away because you get so frustrated, right? So quick with those things. Now, look, it's interesting that everywhere you look, Christmas is celebrated with light. That's not just a part of our culture. That's a biblical principle. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to John chapter 1 today. John chapter 1. We're, we're going to look at this today. We, we've been looking at the gospel of John to see the Christmas story kind of through a different lens. Typically, we look at the Christmas story from Luke's perspective or Matthew's perspective. This year, we've been looking at it through the lens of the apostle John. And when John talks about Jesus coming to earth, or we, the, the theological term is the incarnation of Christ. When we talk about his incarnation, when we talk about how he came to earth, John gives us this unique perspective, and he often uses the image of light. Look at what he says. John chapter 1, verse 4, speaking of Jesus coming to earth. He says, in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And then if you fast forward a few more verses to verse 9, John says, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming Into the world. This is him talking about when Jesus came. He says, The light came into the world. He uses this image of light. Here's here's what I want you to see today when Jesus enters the world, there is light. When Jesus enters the world, there's light. You're going to see this, not just in a spiritual sense, like John's kind of talking spiritually here, but when we, we're, we're going to look at the different Christmas stories today, right? We're going to look at how Luke tells the story, and you're going to see light. We're going to look at how Matthew tells the story, and you're going to see light. We're going to go back to what John says here, and he uses this image of light. And when Jesus enters the world, there's light. And I'd even say it this way, when Jesus enters your world, there's light. Like when Jesus comes into the situation, he dispels darkness. He changes things. He brings light to situations that seem to be dire and dim and in darkness. And he brings that light to those places. So here's what I want to do we're going to we're going to take this concept of light and i want to show you christmas lights in the christmas story. so let's go back to the classic stories that we know from christmas time. they're told in the gospels by luke and by matthew. we're going to look at what they've said. then we're going to go back and see what john says about those things and see this idea of lights at christmas because when jesus enters the world there's light. So we're going to start in in the book of Luke. In fact, if you you want to turn there in your Bibles, Luke chapter 2. The first light that I want to show you today, number one, we'll call the light of glory. Number one, we're going to call this the light of glory. Now, I kind of assume everybody knows the story, but the story is that there was a, a young lady named Mary... And an angel came to her named Gabriel and said, you are going to have a child. And she says, how can this be? Because I'm a virgin. And he says, God is going to give you this child. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and you will conceive a child who shall be the son of God. And Mary tells this to Joseph, who she's engaged to, and he says, time out, right? <laughs> he says, "I'm not. that doesn't make sense to me. And then an angel comes to Joseph and says, you're not to fear what's going on in Mary's life. You are to make her your wife, Because the son that she carries, he says, is the son of God. And he will come and he will save the people from their sins. So about the time when Mary's to have the baby, there's a census where they have to leave where they live in Nazareth and travel to Bethlehem, which is the ancient home of of Joseph's family. And they go to Bethlehem for this census that's there. And while they're there, the time comes for the child to be born. And the child is born, and the baby is wrapped, the Bible tells us, in swaddling clothes and placed in a manger. You're familiar with this story, right? Luke picks it up here, Luke chapter 2, verse 8. He says, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and watch this here, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. Do you see the light that's there? When Jesus comes into the world, there's, there's light that shows up. There's this glory that's shining in this moment, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. What you see in that passage is the light of glory. That God's glory shows up through these angels. God's glory shows up in that moment and there is this light that comes that the angels see that communicates so much to them because when Jesus comes into the world, there is light. Now what's interesting about this is, is we use that word glory And can I tell you, glory is kind of an intimidating word, isn't it? Like when you think of it, you think of something that's so much greater than you are. You think of something that's so much bigger and and stronger, more glorious than you are. What gets me about this story is that it's the glory of the ordinary. That God's glory, which is so powerful and so amazing, so radiant, that this scripture says it's actually frightening, that his glory comes to the most ordinary of people. If anybody was ordinary, it was the shepherds. These shepherds were kind of the the lower class of society. They were constantly ceremonially unclean because of the work that they had to do. They lived out separated from so many other people because of the work that they had to do. They had some terrible shifts that they had to work in their job because of the work that they had to do. Do you remember that show, Dirty Jobs? Anybody remember that show? The premiere episode featured these guys on the Bethlehem Network. It was about them. Right? There's nobody more ordinary than these shepherds. And yet, of all the ordinary people, this is whom God chooses to bring his glory to. That's good for us to know because for those of us who feel pretty ordinary, it's really good to know that God knows where we are and that he wants us to know what he's trying to do in our lives. There's, there's something interesting about Christmas that brings wonder to ordinary things. That, that everyday ordinary things somehow become so much more special, so much more unique, so much more wondrous when we get to the Christmas season. Just think about cookies, right, for just a minute. I love cookies. How many of you love cookies? Like, I'll eat cookies in March. I'll eat them in June. I'll eat them all in December. Can I get an amen? Amen. I don't know why, things that taste okay in June taste wonderful in December. They're just, just, there's something different about it. People will bring you cookies in June and you ask questions like, how clean is your kitchen? Right, you think about that in June. (laughs) What do you think in December? Bring me more, you just bring me more. Why, because there's something that takes the ordinary and kind of makes it, I don't know, wondrous in those times. Music's like that, there's certain songs that I don't wanna hear in June, Look, I don't want to hear simply having a wonderful Christmas time in June. Don't really even want to hear it in December, to be honest. But does it get stuck in your head? Yes. Because something about Christmas takes what's ordinary and makes it wondrous, like socks. Okay? I'm not a, some of you are, right? I'm not really a sock guy. Like I don't I don't I don't wear dramatic socks and I know that's kind of cool. It's just I don't know, I've just kind of always just give me the dark socks and I'll be happy. Except for today, I got to show you I got to show you this. Some good friends of mine gave me this new pair of socks, and they look, just at first you were like, first you were like, oh, he must have varicose veins. No, like, (laughs) take a look right there. That's my dog, Samson. Some good friends gave me socks with Samson's face on them. Rhonda, I am never taking these off. These are the best, because there's something at Christmas that just makes what's ordinary become glorious. Do you know what I'm talking about? Look, this story becomes so much more important because Christmas is the story of God's glory coming to ordinary people. Christmas is the story of how God's glory comes to ordinary people. The shepherds were as ordinary as they come, and yet God chose to bring his glory to them in such a dramatic way so that they would know his grace, so that they would know what he had come to do, so that they would know what Jesus was all about. And I want you to know that even in this Christmas season, if you look at yourself and you go, well, I'm just ordinary. I don't matter. I'm not important. The reality is that Christmas is just for you. So will you let God's glory fill your ordinary life this Christmas? Like in this Christmas season, will you let God's glory fill your ordinary life this Christmas? Here's what I believe, if you'll have an openness, if you'll be watching for it, if you'll say, God, I I need you to do something special in my life this season, I truly believe that he can open your eyes, that he can show you who he is, that he can let you sense his presence and his glory around you, the wonder of what Jesus has done, the way that it can change us. Like Without going into too many details, I was at an event not too long ago and it was, not a, it was not an event where I was a pastor. It wasn't an event that had anything to do with the church, and the people I was with there don't go to Calvary. There was no prayer. There was no scripture. I was just at this thing. And as I sat there, I was blindsided by the fact that I felt God's presence in my life right there in that moment. And you would say, well, that wasn't church. That wasn't a worship service. You didn't sing three songs, then pray, and then wait for the spirit to show up. How could God even be there, right? And yet I sensed his presence, and I felt like he put in my heart, Chad, I have you in just the right place at just the right time to show you who I am in your life. And here's, here's my guess that you're going to have a lot of fun in the next week or two, that whatever your cycle of celebration looks like, there's going to be times where you're going to be family and friends, and you're going to to celebrate, and you're going to give gifts, and you're going to eat cookies. Can I get an amen? Right? I mean, you're going to have all that. But odds are you will probably at some point be in a place where you say to yourself, I wish I was somewhere else right now. Can I get an amen? Don't do that. They're sitting right next to you. Right? That moment's going to come. And know this, that even when you're in the place where you don't want to be, that might be the very place where God wants to show you his glory, and where he wants to show his glory through you in the lives of other people. Like, don't minimize what he might want to do in and through your life in this Christmas season. Let God's glory fill your ordinary life this Christmas. And you would say, well, what does that look like? What kind of glory? Well, remember what it said. It said that the, the angels came and he spoke to the shepherds, and the glory of the Lord was all around them. And he said to them, Unto you is born this day in the city of David, a anybody? Savior, who is Christ the Lord. It's not just the glory of the ordinary, but it's the glory of the Savior. That the angel came and said to these shepherds, What, what they saw in that moment was the glory of the Savior. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And we say to ourselves, why do we need a Savior? What, what is this language all about? Because you see it a lot in Scripture. It shows up in this story. Why is it that we need to talk about a Savior in the first place? Well, remember what the angel told Joseph? The angel came to Joseph and said, this, this son That Mary is carrying will be the son of God and he will come because his name will be Jesus, he says, because he will save the people from their sins. The reason we need a savior is because of our sins. Because of the places where you and I, and let's just be honest, every single one of us have at some point rebelled against God. We've made choices, we've done things, we've said things, we've acted in certain ways that have alienated us, that has pushed us from, that has been disobedient, honestly, that's been rebellion against God. We call those our sins, and the reason Jesus came was to save us from our sins. In fact, here's the language that the Old Testament uses. There's a prophecy about Jesus coming. Isaiah chapter nine, verse two. It says, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness a light is dawned. What does a Savior do? A Savior comes to do for us what we can't do for ourselves. That's to save us from our sins. He brings us forgiveness. You, you may remember we talked about this a little bit last week, how, how we talk so many times in this story about this little baby Jesus, and oftentimes we put him in the manger and then we leave him there. Instead, we're to make him big in our lives and Realize that this little baby came to do so much more for us that he came to bring us freedom from our sins. He came to bring us deliverance from our sins. He came to give us a fresh start and a new beginning. He came to give us life. He came to save us from our sins. And here's the good news. You can receive forgiveness this Christmas. I don't know anybody who doesn't need forgiveness. And you can know his forgiveness this Christmas. You can know what it means to have the things that you've done in your life that have caused guilt and have caused shame, those things that keep cropping up in the back of your head, those disappointments and those frustrations, those things that you look at and you know what you've done or what other people have done to you and they put a cloud over every day in your life and Christmas is no different. And this year you can know his forgiveness. Something that's interesting, some theologians speculate that these shepherds that were out in Bethlehem that the angel appeared to may have had kind of a unique kind of side component to their job. See, Bethlehem's about five or six miles south of Jerusalem. Jerusalem is where the temple is. And at the temple, sacrifices would be made, that there would be sheep who would be slaughtered. They'd be sacrificed to pay the price for people's sins. Some theologians speculate, and I think it's an interesting concept, that possibly these very shepherds that we read about in Luke chapter 2 were shepherds who were raising these sheep that would then be used in temple sacrifice. That when the angel shows up and says there's a savior that's coming, he was in part saying that's going to wreck your job security a little bit because that kind of sacrifice isn't going to be needed anymore because you won't have to make sacrifice over and over again for sins because Jesus is going to do it once and for all. He's going to forgive you of your sins. And for some of you, the very best thing that you could receive as a gift this Christmas is to receive forgiveness. You can know forgiveness this Christmas, a change to your guilt, a change to your shame. And can I also challenge you with this? You can know his forgiveness this Christmas and you can give forgiveness His forgiveness this Christmas. Like for some of you, it's it's not so much the matter that you need forgiveness, but that what's going to make a difference in your life and in somebody else's life is for you to extend that forgiveness. If there's any time that we should offer that gift of forgiveness, isn't it Christmas that we would let God's grace shine in our life? It's possible that the greatest gift you could give to someone this year Is to go to them and say to them, I just want you to know that I forgive you. Whatever that is that's been out there for so long, not in a cocky or an arrogant way like you're doing them a favor, but in a humble way where you extend grace to them, could be life changing. Maybe it's something that has to start deep in your own heart before you ever talk to someone else or maybe it's not even possible to talk to that person but that you ask God to help you forgive them in this season because that's what that grace is all about. Another aspect might be that it's time this Christmas for you to go to someone and very humbly say, I want to ask you to forgive me And that you put out there those places where maybe in your life you need forgiveness. You need to transition past something that's gone on in the past and move forward in that. This can make all the difference. Let me just be honest with you. So many times the reason there's darkness in our lives... Like there's a cloud that hangs over a certain part of our lives or there's a place where there's frustration or disappointment or difficulty. So many times the reason that that's there is because of some kind of sin in our life, something that we have done, something that someone else has done to us and the reality is until we let light shine in that darkness... Until we allow forgiveness to come in and bring in the light of Christ's love, we will stay in that place of frustration and disappointment and hurt and pain. The very best thing that you might be able to do this Christmas is to extend forgiveness or receive forgiveness in your life. And understand this, that no matter who you are, that light that came comes to ordinary people so that they can know a Savior who brings grace and forgiveness in their lives no matter who they are. That's the message we see in Luke chapter 2. But let's go back to this concept of light. Because you don't just see light show up in in Luke, you also see it in the Gospel of Matthew. Let me show you the second kind of light that we see in the Christmas story. We'll we'll call it, number two, the light of a star. We'll call this one, number two, the light of a star. If You remember the story? You got Mary and Joseph and the babies born and the shepherds. And then in the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew leads us into another story. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Do you know why we call them wise men? Because they were willing to ask for directions right and we're we're going to we're going to the next two days like in our christmas services we're actually going to dig into this story a little bit in Matthew chapter 2 here's the deal there, there are probably fewer stories in Scripture that are filled with as much kind of mystery and intrigue. It's, it's a fascinating story, and these, these wise men, these magi characters, really interesting. We're going to dig into this a little bit when we, when we have our Christmas services, but I want to show you a couple of thoughts about this because there are these interesting characters that, that show up in Jerusalem. They've seen a star. They've done enough research to know that there's a king that has been born, and then they roll into Jerusalem and say, where's the one that's born king of the Jews? And people go, we don't know what you're talking about. We don't have any idea what you're talking about. And they're, they're, they're kind of puzzled by this because if a king had been born, don't you think there would have been a celebration? Like they're thinking, did, did we miss the party? Like, like what happened? Shouldn't there have been something where people would know that this king had been born? But they come and they're looking for guidance. They're looking to find out where they're supposed to go. This star that we're talking about, let's start by calling it the star of direction. Right? That star had guided them. That star had given them insight into what they were looking for and where they were going. This whole story of the magi, of the wise men, is about finding direction in what you're looking for. And we'll talk about this a little bit more in our Christmas services and what it means that they were looking for a king. But for many of us, we're looking for some kind of guidance, or wisdom, or insight, or direction in our lives. And the Christmas story brings good news. I, I think... I think this has increased as I've gotten older, but I honestly, I don't think I've shared this before, I love to give gifts. Like, like it's, it's just fun. Like, I love to receive gifts, right? Anybody else? <laughs> but the giving part has become, and maybe it's, maybe it's being a dad or whatever, it's become more and more fun for me. That like, when you, you know you've given something to someone that they wanted, that they'd hoped for, sometimes that they didn't even know that they needed, right? And then they open that, and there's this, this experience where you can literally see there's, there's gratitude and there's, there's excitement and there's fulfillment that comes. And to know that you played a part in that, I love the gift giving. I'm terrible at the shopping. Like the buying, knowing what to buy, the giving is great. Getting to the giving part, I'm I'm terrible at. Rhonda, my wife, is extremely gifted. Like she knows exactly the right gifts to give to people that are personal, that have sentiment attached to it, that means something. Like she's a tremendous gift giver, which makes it wonderful for me because she buys and then I give. <laughs> and it's wonderful. Everybody wins except for her. Because she's got me buying for her on the other end. And she'll like make a list sometimes, this kind of stuff. But I'm just, I'm incompetent. And I, when I go to the store, I look for the sign that says, Incompetent Husbands Help Here. <laughs> right? Don't you wish they had that department? Because I just, I'm not good at this. I need direction. Like I need somebody to hold my hand, a personal shopper, something, to help me figure out how do I give a good gift. Because there are places in our lives where we just realize, I can't do this by myself. Like, I need some help. My question is, what are you looking for? Like, like, be honest. In your life, in the places where you're at, where could you use some direction? What are you looking for? Are you looking for love? Are you looking for purpose? Are you looking for meaning? Are you looking for hope? Are you looking for guidance? Like, like what is it inside of you in this season of your life where you're looking for strength or you're looking for creativity or you're looking for some kind of help or you're looking for for a friend. Like, what is it that you're looking for in this moment? And realize that just like the the wise men in this story in Matthew chapter 2, the light comes on when you start by looking for Jesus. Like, it all makes sense when you start with him. You will see more clearly when you start your search with the one who came to be the light. And you might say, but I, I don't I don't know how to do that. Like I, I don't know how to seek. I don't know, I don't know what direction to go to. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 13 says this: You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. That when you start with God first, it makes all the difference. Direction comes when you seek Jesus first. When you seek Jesus first, it brings direction. And it brings guidance in your life. And some of you might go, okay, well, that's cool, but I'm scared. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know exactly what God has for me to do. or I don't know exactly that I have the courage to take that step. Or you talk about forgiveness, and I'm not sure I can move in that direction. Or you talk about being obedient, and I don't know if that's the thing that I can do. And you get to that place where you're wondering, can I take those steps of obedience? Can I take the steps where God leads me? Look at this. Psalm 27 verse 1 says this, the Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? There's a powerful verse there that says, look, he is my light. So whom shall I fear? He is my stronghold. So why should I be afraid? Know this, that not only does direction come when you seek Jesus first, but confidence comes from seeking Jesus first. That you'll find confidence in your life to move forward and take steps and be bold and follow his direction. You find confidence when you start with him. I have a tendency to start all kinds of other places first. Right, I look for wisdom, I look for insight, and all those things are good. But at some point I have to realize that if I want to find direction and I want to find confidence in my life, it will start when I start with Jesus. Which takes us right back to this story because it's interesting. They say they saw the star... And so they knew that they were looking for something. And what they were looking for was a king. Jesus came to be a king. But not the kind of king we think about. Not the one who sits on a throne in a palace somewhere and rules over this kind of restricted geographic region. He came to be a king who who rules in each one of our hearts. Who leads us and guides us. This wasn't just a star that they saw in the sky that gave them direction. This was the star of the Lord. This was the star that showed them who he was and how he was leading them. And this changes everything when you recognize this. He didn't just come to be a baby in a manger. He didn't just come to give us a cool story. He didn't just come so we could hang lights on our house. He came so he could be the king of our hearts and in doing that, give us direction, give us purpose, give us meaning, literally give us life. This was the star of the Lord. There's an Old Testament prophecy about this. This is really fascinating. Numbers chapter 24, verse 17. It says, I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. See, it's a prophecy saying, I see this, but it hasn't happened yet. I behold him, but it hasn't happened yet. A star will come out of Jacob. A scepter will rise out of Israel. Scepter is the sign of royalty. It's the sign of a king. And this prophecy says there's a king that's going to come connected to this star. And when this king comes, he's going to come to bring us freedom. He's going to come to bring us life. He's going to come to bring us purpose and direction. He's going to come to be the king that sets us free. My question is, is he the king in your life? Is he your Lord? See, because Christmas finds meaning when the baby in the manger becomes your savior and Lord. Christmas finds meaning when the baby in the manger becomes your Savior and your Lord. Now look, I I really think that applies to, to some of us who may be struggling in some real areas in our lives. That when we talk about feeling ordinary, and when we talk about needing forgiveness... If you, if you would be open to saying, I need you to be my savior and change something in my life, I believe that he can change your Christmas to be different than any other. And For some of us who say, I need some direction right now. And for some of us who say, I need someone to give purpose to my life. When you make him Lord, it changes Everything. And so in just a few moments, we're, we're going to pray kind of in that direction. And today might be a day when you need to say, Jesus, I need you to be my Savior and my Lord. I can't do it on my own anymore. I surrender my life to you. For some of you, that's because in this moment, the Holy Spirit's stirring something in your heart. It's new. You're like, God, I don't know what to do here, but I trust you. For others of you, you may have been on a long journey where you feel like God has been bringing you to himself or maybe like back to himself. And today's the day when you just say, God, I know this Christmas that I need you in a way, maybe like never before, and that you trust him as your Savior and your Lord. And that's the most important thing you could ever do. But I also say this to those of us who maybe are here every Sunday, and we're quick to say he's our Savior and our Lord. And we're even, we're even the ones that are going to read the Christmas story on the 25th, because we're, we're those kinds of people but we can roll through these next few weeks and forget what he's done for us and what he wants to do in our lives. And your Christmas can completely change. If you're willing to let his light shine in and you say, Jesus, I recognize you as my savior and as my Lord, not just that little baby in the manger, but somebody who makes a difference in my life. This is where we see this idea of the light. In Luke, we see the light of his glory. In Matthew, we see the light of a star. And let me show you the third thing. Number three, we're going to go back to the Gospel of John now, having seen that light in those places. Number three, we're going to talk about the light in the darkness. Number three, I want to show you the light in the darkness. And in just a couple of moments, we're going to, we're going to take some time and we're going to come to the Lord's table. We're going to share in communion today. And I know some of our ushers, some of our hospitality team needs to step out to help us with that. and So I'm going to go ahead and invite you and want to thank those of you that are serving us today. If you need to step out, I encourage you to go ahead and do that. I want to go back to John chapter 1. Let's talk about this light in the darkness. John chapter 1 verse 5 says, The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. It's a really cool passage of Scripture. It seems super simple, but look what he says there. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. First thing we see there, just just, let's be real clear. It says the light shines in the darkness, and there's something powerful about what light does because it cuts right through the darkness. It changes things, and we, we know this. It's not unusual for us, but it's good to be reminded that this is more than just an analogy that he uses here. He's talking about what Jesus can do in our lives, that the light shines through the darkness, I told you about, about uh, my neighbors, and I told you about how many of them have pretty elaborate light displays. I went all out this year on my house. You know those little projectors you can put in the yard? <laughs> so you don't put anything on the house. It just shines stuff on your house. Lazy Chad is using one of these this year. Right, it's just kind of out there and it puts stuff up on the house so people drive by and don't think you're a Scrooge, but I didn't have time to go all you know, light bulb on it, so I just kind of got one of those things. But just so you know, not cheap, it's one of the laser ones. Star Wars did come out, right? So this, it's one of these laser ones that shoots up there, so it shoots little laser beams up on, up on your house. And one of the things that's kind of cool is this light is coming up on my house and every so often because of lasers, right, they go right through the window and into my house. So I'm standing in the kitchen the other day and this green light goes flying across the wall. I'm like, what is that? (laughs) I mean, it's like, Star Wars, what is this? Millennium Falcon's going right through. Nope, it's the laser light in the yard. Because here's what light does. Light cuts through the darkness to the point where it's going. Now there's an analogy there that John uses. He says, "Look, the light shines in the darkness. It cuts through the darkness. It makes a difference in our lives." When he talks about this, he's going right back to Genesis. Do you remember this from last week where we talked about Jesus is the word and the word created everything and the word changes everything. Genesis chapter 1 verse 2. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, "Let there be light." And there was light. His word has that kind of power. Sometimes when I read God's word, it turns on a light bulb in my mind that gets opened up in no other way. Does that make sense? Sometimes when I speak God's word, it changes my life in a way that nothing else will because there's power in his word. He is the word. It brings a light to our lives. That's why it says about Jesus in John chapter 8, verse 12, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. And whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. John's painting for us this powerful picture here that he says, no matter what darkness your life may be in, and let's just be honest, for some of you, this season comes with a certain element of darkness as well that the lights in your neighbor's yard can't dispel. That I need the light of Jesus, the light of the world, to cut into my life and illuminate my life in a way that makes a difference. He is the light of the world. And John paints this powerful picture here. Yesterday, December 21st, it's always a a bit of an interesting day in in my life. Yesterday would have been my dad's birthday. So he died in 1996 after a two-year battle with cancer. And one of the the great disappointments in my life, even though it's been 23 years, one of the great disappointments in my life is that you didn't know my dad, and that my dad didn't know you. He was he was one of the most special people I've ever met. And he had a way, just to kind of talk about this, he he would light up a room when he came in. Like he had this way about him. He was funny, he was smart, he was a great leader. It's hereditary. He was incredibly good-looking, like this, you know, this kind of stuff, and and uh, it's a joke. But I just, you know, you you think about that on those days, and I know my dad's in heaven. Like I don't have any doubt about that, and his love for Jesus and the difference that he made. But I miss my dad, and that comes in this season, doesn't it? And even in the midst, I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't care who you are, I don't care how happy your Christmas is, there may be some things in your life that come in this season with a heaviness, let's just call it a darkness at times. In those times, as long as we're on this earth, we will still have those moments where we experience pain and we experience loss Like, they're going to be real. And it's important for us to not hide those things, but to talk honestly about those things, but also to say that even in the midst of those things, even in that pain and that loss and that darkness, that Jesus can bring us healing in those times. Like, there's a prophecy in the Old Testament that talks about when Jesus would come. It's in Malachi chapter 4, verse 2. It says this, But for you who revere my name, the Son of Righteousness, that, that's a name that's used in the Old Testament in this passage of Scripture to refer to Jesus who would come, right? And it has this idea of light cutting into darkness, doesn't it? But for you who revere my name, the Son of Righteousness will rise with healing in its rays. Some passages of Scripture say that he will rise with healing in his wings. And even in the midst of your darkness, even in the midst of your loss, even in the midst of your disappointment, even in the midst of your pain, even in the midst of your fear, even in the midst of the, the, the trauma that you may have from in the past or the fear that you have of the future, even in the midst of all of that, that you might call darkness on this holiday season, there is a light that comes because Jesus is the light of the world and he can cut through that. And I'm not saying that your pain will be all gone because we still live in a fallen world, but he can bring healing to our hearts, can he? And let's take this one more step. He can bring a healing to your marriage. And he can bring a healing to your relationship. And he can bring a healing to that disappointment. And somehow he can work in your heart that every time your aunt says that to you, that usually ticks you off, he gives you more grace. Can I get an amen? Boy, I had to let that one go. So you've got like, (laughs) like, like, but this makes sense, right? He's come to bring healing because he is the light of the world the darkness in your life can be changed by the light of Jesus. If you'll allow him to. If you'll with a humble heart say, Jesus, I know that there's some darkness in this season, but I need you to help me. Because he says this, the light has shined in the darkness, and then I love how he wraps this up, the darkness has not overcome it. The darkness has not overcome it. Here's what's interesting about John. When you read the other Gospels, Matthew was an eyewitness, right? He was there when it happened. He was one of Jesus' disciples. And so he's writing the story The way he's heard it and the way he saw it, he's got this eyewitness account, which is so healthy for us as we understand the life of Jesus. And then you've got Mark and Luke, right? We've got four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. So Matthew's an eyewitness. Mark and Luke are more like historians, right? They write, they did research, they heard what other people said. Some some think they talked to Peter, some think they talked to Mary, they talked to different people along the way. They did research, and then they wrote down the history of what they heard. John writes totally different. He doesn't write just as an eyewitness, and he doesn't write just as a historian. He writes as a friend, and when he writes, and this never struck me before until I was reading this this week, when he, when he writes, he almost writes as if he's looking backwards instead of forwards. Like Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, they kind of tell you the story, and they kind of map it out, but not John. When John writes this, when John writes this it's almost like he's looking back because he's a friend, and he already knows how it's going to end. Because you remember what we talked about with John last week? John was literally at the cross when Jesus was crucified. He was the disciple who was standing there. He saw Jesus, nails in his hands and feet. He saw him being executed and tortured and murdered in that moment. So in that moment, he saw the darkness. Not just the darkness of what was lost, but literally, literally physically darkness. Look what Matthew tells us. Matthew chapter 27, verse 45. From noon until three in the afternoon, Darkness came over all the land. This is why Jesus is on the cross. Is it usually dark from noon till three? No, if there's any time when it's not dark, it's noon to three. And yet he says that in that moment, there was so much darkness. Hope was lost. Jesus was gone. Three years of his life down the tubes, right? Why did I even follow this guy in the first place? Everything that I banked on is gone. That darkness was there. And then I love what John says about the resurrection. John chapter 20, verse 1. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, I don't know if he had to add that there, but I'm glad he did, that he reminded us while the darkness still seemed to be in charge, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. Darkness looked like it had won, but the light has overcome it. The light always wins. The light dispels the darkness. The light puts aside those things. And at some point, maybe your life is in the dark. Think about the crucifixion and how much seemed to be lost in that moment. Think about the places where it seems like in your life there's darkness and there's fear and there's uncertainty and there's sin and there's shame and there's guilt. Think about all those places because even where it seems to be the darkest, that's where Jesus can bring the light. He can cut through that And I love this passage of scripture because John's writing this looking backwards. He already knows the end of the story. And he says to people, it may seem like the darkness has won, but the darkness will not overcome the light. That in the end, the light always wins. And my encouragement to you, no matter where you're at this Christmas season, that you would keep that in mind. You, You may have a memory like me. Like I've got... And this is from, like, years past when our kids were, were little, or really. But those opportunities, when you have that moment where it's Christmas Day, and you've been through the early morning wake-up, and you've been through the, 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 the raucous gift opening, and you've been through the meals, and you've been through the sugar crashes, <laughs> and you've been through all those different things, and at some point, maybe even with the help of a little Benadryl, everybody's in bed. No, 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 not the... <laughs> No, that's a joke. Just trying to wake you up. And you take that moment, and before you collapse out of exhaustion, you just kind of sit on the couch and you take in the lights of the Christmas tree. You just stop for a moment that's quiet at the end of the day. I think I did that. It might have been a Hallmark movie, but I think I did that. (laughs) And you have a perspective at that moment that you didn't at 4.30 when the kids woke you up in the morning. <laughs> like you have a perspective there before the chaos hit, before the mess needed cleaned up, before things went wrong, before the tears, before the drama, before your aunt showed up, before all those things. You didn't have that perspective. But now you're sitting there at the end of the day in the light of the tree and you say to yourself, you know, in spite of it all, it really was a great day. Because at the end, you have a perspective that you didn't have at the beginning. John would say to you, look, I don't know what kind of darkness you're in right now. But I know this. I know that the light has come into the world and the darkness has not overcome it. And even if you're in a moment of darkness, know that that light's going to shine through because that's why Jesus came. That's what it's all about He's come to bring light to you, an ordinary person, so that you can know his forgiveness and even offer it to others. He's come to be the light who gives you direction and purpose when you say, Jesus, be the king of my life. And even in the midst of the darkness, maybe some of it that comes this season, he is the light that shines through and you can trust that no matter how dark today is, he is the light that will overcome the darkness in our lives. So Father, we look to you and we thank you for your word. and God, I, I don't know what every heart is, is feeling here today. Lord, there's those of us in, in this room and an auditorium too and, and listening or watching on a screen somewhere. God, somewhere as we've talked about these things from your word today, they've, they've stirred something inside of us. And that when we felt low, it's a good reminder to know that you came for the ordinary person. And that when those things in the past have seemed to get the best of us, it's good to know that you've come to give forgiveness and set us free. That when we've been uncertain about our next steps, it's good to know that you are the one who brings us direction. And that when we're not sure how to lead our lives, it's good to know that you've come to be our Lord and our King and to give us guidance each step along the way. And Lord, for some of us, the the darkness in our lives may seem to kind of kick up in this season, and it's good to know that you are the light that shines in the darkness. And that even when it feels like the darkness is winning, to hold on to the truth that the light has come and that the darkness has not, will not, and cannot overcome it. So Lord, even as we come to the Lord's table today, even as we come for a reminder that when you were on the cross in the darkest moment of history, you paid the price so we could know light and grace in our lives. In this moment, we thank you. God, I I pray with the one who says today, I can't do it on my own anymore. That today I need that relationship with Jesus Christ. I need my sins forgiven. I need him to be the king of my heart. Lord, as even in their own lives, as they pray this prayer today, would you start and do something new, transformational, freedom in their lives today as they look to you? in Jesus name. Amen. I want to invite the ushers to come at this time and in these next few moments we're going to prepare to come to the Lord's table. Paul gives us instructions about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. He says, "So then whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup." For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ eat and drink judgment on themselves. Scripture is very clear that in this moment we are to examine and search our own hearts. Maybe there's a place in your life today where you need to ask God for his forgiveness. Or maybe a, a part of your life that you've been holding on to and you need to ask him for his direction and his help today. Then in these moments I would encourage you to examine your heart as you surrender yourself to him. If you're here today and you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you know that he is your Savior and your Lord that your sins are forgiven and you have the promise of spending eternity in heaven with him, then we invite you to join us in this time of communion. The ushers will distribute the elements. The bread represents the broken body of Jesus Christ. The cup represents his shed blood. And we ask that you hold on to those things until everyone's been served and then we'll share in them together. But in these next few moments, as we sing this Christmas song of worship, would you examine your own hearts and can we thank the Lord that he's the light in the darkness Thank him for what he's done in our lives. Father, in these next few moments, we do more than just follow religious ritual or do the same old thing. But Father, we ask that as we worship you and remember, would you do something special in our hearts today? In Jesus' name. Ushers, you may serve.
1: Oh, come, O ye faithful, Joyful,
0: Father this Christmas we ask that you'd help us to have the the same wonder that the shepherds felt I know it can be cliche to think or say that but that you'd do something special in our hearts that we would see what you've come to do with the wonder of your glory for us ordinary people in a brand new way and may we have the, the passion of the magi To seek you. Know your direction and your guidance in our lives. Father, I I pray for the one today who feels like this Christmas is in darkness for them. You might not know it on the surface. You you might not see it on their face, God. But I know that there's those of us who carry a heavy weight in this season. Would you remind us that the the light shines in the darkness. The darkness has not overcome it. Thank you for your work in our lives. Paul writes, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And as you hold the... The bread in your hand, would you be reminded this is what John wrote to us about this is the word has become flesh dwelt among us, this is a reminder, this, this bread is a symbol that Jesus came and took on a, a lowly frail human form like ours and then loved us so much that he would allow his body to be broken beaten murdered so that your sins and mine could be forgiven. God, we thank you for that kind of love that I certainly haven't deserved. I certainly haven't earned it. But because of your love for us, we can know grace and forgiveness. We thank you for that as we share in the bread together. In Jesus' name, let's share in the bread. the same way after supper he took the cup saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes and with the cup in your hand would you remember his shed blood that Jesus loved you so much that the word became flesh and dwelt among us gave his life so that you could know forgiveness so that you could know his grace Jesus we thank you for your sacrifice thank you that you shed your blood so that my life doesn't have to be filled with guilt and shame but that today I can know your grace in Jesus name let's share in the cup together Could you stand with me just one last time? And if you're comfortable, even, would you lift your hands to the Lord and just begin to thank Him as we sing this one more time? Oh, come, let's adore Him.
1: Oh, come, let us adore Him.
0: Thank you that we can celebrate and know that what you've done for us has brought light to our darkness now lord as we go from here we ask that you would go with us Father, would you send us out with your special favor and with your wonderful peace as we celebrate your birth in the days ahead in jesus name amen amen god bless you thanks for being here hope you'll make it a priority to be with us tomorrow at four or six or Tuesday at 2, 4, 6. Have a great week. Merry Christmas.